Thank you for joining us for this week's message from the First Christian Church in Great Bend, Kansas. Each week we share thought-provoking and life-changing teachings on topics that are important and relevant to you in your life. We hope that you will be encouraged by our weekly podcast and will tune in regularly. Now let's join the First Christian Church of Great Bend for this week's message. So today we are in the fourth and final week of our sermon series called Christmas is Bigger Than You Think. And what we've been doing in this Advent series is instead of walking through the, the Christmas story kind of as we know it, um, which is what we normally do this time of year, we have in an attempt to understand Christmas in bigger, deeper kind of ways been examining some of the most important passages in the New Testament to see what they have to teach us about just how big and amazing Christmas really is. I mean, so far what we've jumped into is that Jesus is the fulfillment. He's the one who came into the world to bring all things to completion. Then we learn that, that uh, Jesus came in the world not to be served, but to serve, and he gave his life for the salvation of all. And then we got into this idea of the Logos, right? This, this word that was there in the beginning being born into the world. And so today, to close this sermon series out, um, I want to show you where we fit. I want to show you why Christmas is not just about the birth of one child, but it's about the birth of many, many things. So in the Gospel of John, right after Jesus makes his triumphant entry into Jerusalem, and this is about a week before he's crucified, he speaks these words to his disciples to, to not only let let them know who he is, but what it is that's taking place through his death. So he, he begins in 1223, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. And what Jesus is getting at here is that he is the Son of Man. And the time has come for him, in a sense, to be lifted up by giving his life on the cross. Which he then follows with a kind of parabolic explanation of what's going to happen in his death or, or why it's important for him to die. So he says this, Unless a grain of wheat falls to the earth and dies, it remains just a single grain. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Again, unless a grain of wheat falls to the earth and dies, it remains just a single grain. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. And to get what Jesus is saying here, just imagine an acre of land that is not being farmed. And in the middle of that land, among all those wild grasses, there's a single stalk of wheat out in the center of that field. Now, what would happen if that stalk of wheat never died? Is that in that particular field, all you would ever have is that single stalk. But if that stalk were to die, what would happen? is that the head of the plant, where all the seeds are contained, would eventually fall to the ground, allowing all of those seeds to do what seeds do, germinate and grow. So now instead of having a single stalk of wheat in that big old field, after the death of that first wheat plant, you now have a whole bunch of wheat starting to grow. Or to get technical, on average there are 22 seeds per head and 5 heads per plant, which means... That when that one stalk of wheat dies, you now have the, the possibility of 110 wheat stalks growing now in that field. So what, what Jesus is getting at here is that his death is not the end. 
but it's the beginning of God's plan to take his mission to a whole other level. Because eventually God, instead of having just one person doing the work of the kingdom, this movement is going to start to germinate and grow. Or just like many wheat stalks come from the death of just one plant, Jesus' death is going to cause this movement, what he is doing, to explode as more and more people get involved. Or to see how this movement plays itself out, or to go into the depths of what's actually going on here, what Jesus is saying, we now turn back to the beginning of Jesus' ministry for a bit of clarity. Because right before Jesus comes to John the Baptist to take the plunge, right before Jesus comes to be baptized himself, we find John saying this, and we oftentimes overlook this. He says, I baptize you with water for repentance, but the one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to carry his sandal. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And that's the part I want you to get. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Now, what's important to get here is that we see before Jesus even begins his ministry, right? His ministry starts at this point, and for the next three years, he's out doing what we read in the Gospels. So before he ever begins his ministry, we find that one of the main reasons for why Jesus has come, or in a sense, why Jesus has been born at all, is to baptize his people in the Holy Spirit, or to be the catalyst that allows the Spirit of the living God, God himself, to come and take up residence inside of every single person who gives themselves to him. And then where we find the baptism of the Holy Spirit finally taking place is that after Jesus' life, after these three years, and he dies on the cross, and then there's the resurrection, there's this strange event that happens on Pentecost where the world changes forever. Acts 2, 1 through 4 describes it in this way. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place, and suddenly from heaven there came the sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues of fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them the ability. Or what's going on in this crazy story. And you have to be careful not to get caught up in everything that's going on here, because it's a strange story. We are told that for the first time in the history of the world, nothing's happened like this before, that God has decided to pour out His Spirit, not just on special people, but on normal, average, everyday people, like you and I. Or in the same way God poured out His Spirit on Jesus during His baptism, filling and empowering Him to go out and proclaim and live the kingdom of God, which He did by changing the world, God has now poured out that same Spirit into the heart and minds of all of His followers. And this is where it all comes together. This is where I want you to make the connection. Because what Jesus is getting at when He says, unless a grain of wheat falls to the earth and dies, it remains just a single grain. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. And what John's getting at when he said he will baptize you in the Holy Spirit is actually happening. This is what is going on through the Pentecost event. This is what Jesus talked about happening. This is why Jesus said that his death was important, which now means that instead of having just one person out in the world doing the work of the kingdom, God now has hundreds of spirit-filled people out there in the world doing his work, which ultimately takes God's plan beyond what Jesus was able to do as just one person, to the ends of the earth. 
Or now there were hundreds and soon to be thousands and then hundred thousands. And then on and on we can go throughout history of spirit and power. Jesus followers ready and willing to go anywhere, do anything to proclaim, live this, this message of grace, love, life, hope, and salvation. Or to get what's going on here. Just think back to that one wheat stalk in the field, right? It dies. And because of that death, there's now another 110 plants in that field. So that's what's going on in the Pentecost event. That's what happens there. But what happens as you follow this progression out, it's not just meant to stop there. It is that generation after generation, it's supposed to continue to grow. Where you start with 110, right? And then you get this explosion of people after that. And it starts to spread throughout the entire field. The goal eventually being that that entire field. And you guys have seen these, these, these beautiful fields that are full of wheat. The entire field is taken over by that good wheat. Do you guys get what I'm saying here? Anybody still awake? I know it's Christmas morning. You guys, you guys hit it hard yesterday, but are you still with me? Okay, just check it. So... Where we fit into this story, because this is our story, is that as spiritual descendants of Jesus, as people who have given our life to him, and then as spiritual descendants of all that wheat that has gone before us, in the same way the disciples on Pentecost were filled with the Holy Spirit to empower them and go out and, and live the mission of Jesus, we are the ones in our time and place that are being called and empowered by that same spirit and purpose to take up the same movement that was started when Christ was born and keep it going. Or we are the wheat. We are the wheat that is meant to grow and multiply, playing our part in God's mission. Until finally, in God's good timing, right? The entire field, or maybe the entire world, is taken over by the good wheat. Or, or until God's plan of saving, redeeming, and restoring all things is brought to completion. And then what all of that shows us about the deeper meaning of Christmas, because I'm sure most of you are wondering, what in God's name does this have to do with Christmas? Well, when you take a step back and look at the big picture view of God's plan playing itself out over the last 2,000 years, it becomes clear that one of the main reasons for why Christmas happened, or one of the main reasons for why Jesus was born at all, it's because according to the New Testament, in the last 2,000 years of Christian history, Jesus Christ was born into this world so we could be born again into our lives. Jesus Christ was born into this world so he could be born again into our lives. Or note that Christmas is not just about the birth of one person 2,000 years ago, although that, that birth is necessary and foundational. Now, Christmas is also about the birth that takes place when Christ is born again in our hearts and lives. Or every time someone says yes to Jesus and is filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, is filled with the power and presence of Christ, that too is the power of Christmas playing itself out even today. Or what you've got to understand about Christmas is that Christmas, again, has never been just about the birth of Jesus. It's not an event that we're supposed to celebrate one time a year and forget about it. No, Christmas is and always has been about Christ being born into this world so he could be born again into our hearts. So that in turn, we as his wheat can continue to spread and grow. We can continue to play our part in causing his kingdom to come and his will to be done on earth 
as it is in heaven. So do you get that Christmas really doesn't have anything to do with the presents? Really doesn't have anything to do with gathering with your family and all that stuff? Now, I'm not knocking that stuff. I love that stuff more than life itself, and I think we should do it more. But that's not what Christmas is really all about. What Christmas is about is about a God who loved us so much that he stepped down out of his existence to chase after us. And then he showed and he guided us and then and finally died. And then the most amazing thing I think about this story is that he was born into this world so he could be born again into our lives. Which means Christmas is not over. Right? Christmas is not just meant to be this one time a year deal that we celebrate with our family. No, Christmas is something we're supposed to live every single day. We are the people of Christmas. We are the wheat. We are the hands and feet to go out into this world and continue the work that he started. That's how the world is transformed. That's how this wheat takes over the world. And I told you Christmas was bigger than you thought. Let us pray. Father, as we bring this sermon series to a close, help us to truly get that Christmas is way bigger, way bigger than even what we've talked about the last four weeks. Help us to understand not only that that you came into the world as the fulfillment, the one who was going to bring everything to completion, that you came into the world as our servant, showing us that we need to be servants as well, and that you are the Logos, the one who was in the beginning, is now here showing us how to live. But now help us to understand that Christmas is a way of life. That Christmas is an event that started with Jesus' birth, but it hasn't ended, and it won't end until everything is made right. So now, O Lord, on this Christmas, may we make a commitment to not be the kind of people who just celebrate this event once a year. May we be the kind of people who live this revolution every single day of our lives. We ask this all in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. You are invited back next week for another life-changing message from the First Christian Church of Great Bend, Kansas. Please check out our website at www.fccgbk.com. That's fccgbk.com. May you have a blessed week.